Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Another great week of speaking with a lot of you guys. I think I've responded to everybody's text messages, emails, um, phone calls. Uh, a lot of you guys have been coming out from various parts of the country. A truly humbling experience. Uh, we're down in our office today in the beautiful Duxbury, Massachusetts. And today we have our first guest that's not Julie, even though she's here in the background. Who knows? She may pop in. You know, she's floating around all the time. Um, but uh, the gentleman I have here is Cliff Weitzman, who is the founder and CEO of Speechify. And we're going to focus today on dyslexia, maybe touch a little bit on ADHD, processing speed disorders, and how, uh, what the psychological ramifications of untreated dyslexia, processing speed, ADHD results in, like depression, anxiety, uh, oppositionality. Uh, I'm going to, as opposed to me, and in neuropsychology, this is a, a common referral that I get is, is there is there dyslexia? Is there ADHD? Is there processing speed? And then you know, kind of left with okay, what are the recommendations for it? Well, I have the gentleman with me uh, from California to uh, Florida to Massachusetts. I'm pleased to introduce a great individual, Cliff Weitzman. Cliff, hey, I'm really glad to be here. Appreciate you having here. Um, thank you so much. Tell us about your journey with dyslexia. Sure. So, um, and feel free to hop in and fix me on any clinical sides, but uh, my experience with dyslexia growing up, I got diagnosed when I was in third grade. And for me, reading a sentence takes as much energy and brain power as most people take to do a long division equation in their head. Um, and really, it's a function of reading takes a lot of energy for me, and it makes me tired. And so when I was young, you know, I was a very curious kid. I wanted to know how planes fly. I wanted to know the difference between bronze and gold. And I was very ambitious, uh, but I couldn't spell my last name. And I couldn't, you know, read was my it, little... Was there shame associated with it? Huge shame associated with it. Internal shame or was it from my teachers, students? More family? so internal. Um, so, you know, I come from a big family. I have, you know, four younger siblings who are all brilliant. Um, and I was a very precocious kid when I was young. I was in all the school plays and I was doing solos. You know, but first grade co comes around and I couldn't learn how to read. And second grade, and I wasn't very good at it either. Um, and third grade, and I still I couldn't really do words. Um, and I remember we had a big, uh, you know, puzzle on the ground of my living room and my dad was trying to teach me how to read. It's like, A, A, O, E, O, U, B, ba, 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 And I just, I couldn't get it. Um, well, your, your first language is your purpose was, was Hebrew. My first language was Hebrew. Um, and I learned English later when I moved to the U.S. Um, and I had the challenge both in Hebrew and in English. Um, and so, you know, um, phonemes were just always very difficult for me. And you asked about, you know, shame associated with it. And so for me, you know, I just really wanted my dad to be proud of me and my mom to be proud of me. And Was there an expectation from the family or was it just kind of your disposition? Of no, it was just my disposition. You know, I was a, a kid who was very gregarious, very precocious, very ambitious. And, you know... I grew up being good at stuff. Like I was decent at sports. I was good at music. Um, but I just couldn't figure out how to read. Um, and it's, you know, this huge discrepancy um, between how you view yourself and how the rest of the world views you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my teachers maybe thought that I was a little bit slow. And, you know, the hardest part for me is my parents thought that I was lazy. We see that a lot. Uh, I see a lot with kids are labeled as lazy, oppositional unmotivated, not caring, when dyslexia, ADHD, processing speed disorders are really access issues. 
independent of intelligence. So the output of an individual with one or all three of these disorders is disproportionate to the grades or the feedback they're getting back, which then results in internalization, becoming intrapunitive, self-blame, I'm dumb, never going to go to college, I'm never going to make my parents proud, that kind of stuff. That's at least what I see. Absolutely. And for me, you know, the case was that, um, you know, I really wanted to be, I, I had this ambition of who I wanted to be. And there was this huge barrier to get there because I just was incapable of properly consuming information. Mm. And so I wasn't doing well in school. And, um, you how know, did, how did you do with learning auditorily? Very good. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in Israel, right? And so, uh, a lot of the cartoons, I don't know how this ended up being the case. The cartoons that I would watch were Bible cartoons. Really? And, uh, you know, these Old cartoons, Testament yeah, Testament. Old Testament okay. in biblical Hebrew. And so I walked like around. Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Mount Sinai. And I'd walk around like speaking like biblical level Hebrew, like which is really high vocabulary. And people were like, wow, like where did this kid learn these words? Um, was and it easy? It, for me, it was easy, yeah. super easy. And, you know, I would sit and I was uh, Lion King, Hercules. Like I was addicted to the movies and the TV and my retention and comprehension were perfect. Mm. Um and I could have conversations with adults, you know, and sound like a like a teenager, even mm-hmm. as a very young boy. Um, but it's just that the reading was very challenging. How about writing? Oh, my gosh. So my spelling is, even to this day, absolutely atrocious. Well, thankfully, I, we have spell check. Thankfully, we have ch- <laughs> spell check. I mean, I, I remember, you know, reading like a natural observation I did in eighth grade. I spelled the word squirrel with like 14 letters. Um, you know, even my own name, Cliff. I sometimes spell with one F instead of two. I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I'm writing and I'm in the flow, I will sometimes substitute the letter A for the letter I. It's just like, unless I really think about it, and like two, two, and two, I was 19 years old and spell, still making mistakes between them. Um, and when I was young, also, um, you know, dysgraphia, my, my writing was, couldn't read what I wrote. Um, the letters were on top of each other. There were different sizes. There were no spaces. Um, you know, was there a difference between cursive and, I, and to the day, I don't know how to write or read cursive. Yeah. I forgot, yeah. I forgot how to read. Um, yeah, but I like never even got past the hump. Um, and how like, about, how about printing? Yes. Printing, uh, that was the thing that, you know, the letters are different sizes and there's no differentiation. At a certain point I found this uh, program my mom found called, um, I don't remember the name, but you do a lot of figure eights. It actually helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it cleared up a lot of my, it's called, it's called Brain Gym. It cleared up a lot of my writing. It helped me get spaces between my words. I was extremely skeptical of it when I was a kid, but uh, it actually did work. It does work. And also do like threes and uh, exactly. E's, C's, B's, D's. We see a lot of the common letter reversals. And so that made my dysgraphia more bearable. But, you know, even when I moved to the United States, I remember my, I had an amazing history teacher, Mr. Bloom, and my parents went to a, you know, parent teacher conference. And they said, you know, Cliff, when you read his writing, it's like you're reading something that a third grader or second grader would have written. When you, in, you terms consider, in, 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 in terms of In terms of when you look at the legibility and, and the spelling, right? This is, you know, a kid who's now in eighth grade, but a second language speaker. But if you actually read past that and you get to the content, like it looks like a junior in high school wrote this. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the huge dissonance was um, I was very challenged by reading and writing um, and spelling but I like my brain's very fast. I know we, you, we we're gonna get to you know speechify what you develop, but did you ever get to a point where it's like I'm done? No, um, 
I never got to that point. What was your tenacity? My tenacity was always a lot okay. bigger than that. And I, I really attribute a lot of that to the fact that I had extremely unconditionally loving parents mm-hmm. and siblings. And I had other things that I was good at. I was always good in music. I was always good in sports. Um, and if you meet me in person, I'm a very gregarious, I was a very gregarious kid. And so people thought, especially adults, um, you know, they're like, oh, wow, this is a, I'm impressed by this kid. And so it was not the case that, you know, normal adults who met me in, you know, life wrote me off. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was just the case that, you know, if you looked at my report card, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this kid's going nowhere. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's skip ahead. How did you get into Brown and graduate from Brown and are invited to speak at Brown and, and won all these awards when, you, when you've had this difficulty reading your whole life? Yeah, so I'll start in the beginning. So, um, you know, I had all this challenge. And at a certain point, my dad took pity on me and started reading books to me. And this is before we even knew I had dyslexia. Um, and so, you know, my dad was very busy. He had five kids. But he'd make a special exception. He'd come home early from work. And he'd sit in my bed. And in a slow, deep voice, he'd read Harry Potter to me. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it to the point that he picked up a cassette tape. He's a lawyer. And he started recording himself reading Harry Potter. And when he couldn't make it home in time, I would listen to this cassette tape over and over and over again. And, you know, I became an expert in Harry Potter. And I was a kid who hated books, but loved stories. And um, I kept listening to audiobooks after that. And when we moved to the States, we found an audiobook set of Harry Potter in English. And at the time I spoke, maybe like, I recognized one or two words out of 10. I didn't know the difference between brown and black. Um, and um, I listened to the book the first time, and I didn't speak English. So at 0.5x speed, and then a second and a third and a fourth, and then 0.75x speed. And then a fifth and a sixth, then a tenth, two x like one x speed, one point five, two x speed. Explain more what you mean, x speed. Yeah, so you know, ten years ago it was very uncommon to listen to podcasts or audiobooks. Today is pretty common. Uh, and if you guys are listening to this podcast, you're maybe listening at one x, but maybe you're listening one point two five x speed, or maybe two x speed, um, making the speed go faster. Um, what I learned when I was trying to learn English was that it was easier for me in the beginning to not listen at 1x, but listen at 0.75 or 0.5. But as I got better, I didn't stop at 1x. I started listening at 1.5 and then 2x. And then I finished the Harry Potter series. And my first vocabulary word was Alohomora. And, you know, I was able to to go into the world. um, And we had other books that we were assigned in school. And most didn't have an audiobook, but some did. And when they did, I always found the audiobook and I would listen. And I continued to push myself to listen faster. And... Um, I got to the point that I really became obsessed with audiobooks. So I listen on average to two books a week. Um, and I've done that for the last 14 years, about 100 books a year. Um, and it's everything from fantasy and sci-fi. So there's a wide variety of tablets? Yeah, all over the gamut. You know, economics, religion, um, biographies, um, hist- obsessed with history. Like I, I listen to everything. Um, and, and, and I'm a walking book recommendation engine. And, you know, I went to high school. And I had a freshman year class um, with an amazing English teacher. And we had a summer assignment book, Marley and Me. And I couldn't finish reading the book. And I didn't have an audiobook. And I spent the entire summer trying and I couldn't succeed. And so my mom started reading the books to me. And it was a great book. I loved Marley and Me. Um, but it was only because of my mom that I actually succeeded in reading that book. And, you know, most kids don't have parents that have time to go and sit and read books to them. Um, and I went to that class and I had an amazing teacher. And, you know... I was the weird kid in high school where I was in every single AP and honors class, but I also took academic workshop for one period every single semester. So I, I skipped doing a, a second language in the beginning of high school to do this. 
um, and actually skipped doing, um, you know, singing and art, the things that I really enjoyed because I needed to make time to right. take like the remedial class. Um, and so, you know, I, I was a very hard worker and I really did a good job of self-advocating. So when we first moved to the U.S., you know, we had that history teacher and he was a very hard teacher. And, you know, he taught in middle school, eighth grade, like it was like, you know, senior year of high school. Every day you had to read a chapter and write an outline about it. And I went to Mr. Bloom and I said, hey, Mr. Bloom, listen, there's no way I can do this. Number one, I can't read English. Well, number two, I can't, you know, spell or write. Um, I found an audiobook that someone made on the internet for this textbook. Would it be okay with you if I listened to it? And I would come to school 15, 10 minutes early every day. And I would verbally recite to you the chapter so that you knew that I read the material. Seems fair. Yeah. And he said, yes. And so that's what I did. And, you know, thank God for Mr. Bloom because, you know, he invested the time in allowing this, you know, eighth grade uh, kid with a lot of chutzpah to come <laughs> 10 minutes early and recite the chapter to him. Um, and, you know, I started the semester like D's and C's. But by the end, I was doing quite well. And, uh, you know, I learned how to type still with horrible spelling. Um, and then I got into high school and I used the same approach. Like I was the kid who came in early, stayed late, made relationships with the teachers, asked questions, was not afraid to look dumb in front of people. Um, and you know, I ended up doing well academically as a result of this, um, not in every single class, but in most. Um, and you know, in the end I, I got into a bunch of different schools. I chose to go to Brown. Um, and I loved it. My cheeks started to hurt from smiling so much three weeks in because I found my people. And Brown has a very open curriculum. Um, you know, I took classes in 15 different departments. Um, I did an independent concentration in renewable energy engineering, which is a mix of physics, engineering, computer science, industrial design. I took a lot of philosophy classes and psychology classes. But before I started Brown, we had a summer reading book, Sons of Providence. I highly, yeah, I highly don't recommend that people try reading Sons of Providence. Um, and so again, I spent the, again, I was about an 18-year-old boy about to go to his fancy Ivy League school. I, was, I wasn't about to show up not having done the summer reading book. So I tried the whole summer. I read maybe half. So I asked my mom to read it to me again. And now, you know, I'm an 18-year-old kid and my mom's reading my book to me. And she also had to work and we didn't finish it. And so I was in a pickle. And I did the only thing that I could. Uh, with my help from my brother, we cracked a digital version of Kindle. Uh, and we built this command line tool that would read the book into my iPhone overnight. And then I listened to that on the plane and it worked. And I was like, wow. And we used this like really clunky, like I am a computer that can talk to you, like text to speech voice. And I was like, wow, I just like solved the biggest problem in my life. Right. So I got to Brown. This, and, is, this is when you were at Brown or before you started? Uh, this is right before I started Brown. We built this thing. And then I, I got to Brown and, you know, I did this uh, program for kids who come from like disadvantaged backgrounds who are not good at uh, reading and stuff. Uh, it's called Excellence at Brown, and we had to read a lot. And there were a lot of PDFs. So I built this tool that would do optical character recognition on PDFs so that I can use this text-to-speech tool. And then I built another uh, little iPhone app that could scan physical books and turn them into, you know, digital text so I could listen to that as well because I didn't want to, like, you know, cut the binding and go scan every single book. Um, and, you know, these were, like, little tools that I were making for myself so that I could do school because, you know, we get assigned a, an assignment, and I was like, well, there's no point in me trying to do this assignment because I know I'm not going to finish the book. So I'm going to build a tool instead until it works, and then I can do the assignment. Um, and when I was a student, I did a lot of different things. You know, I built about 36 products when I was an undergrad, everything from 3D-printed skateboard breaks to iPhone apps and websites and biotech supplements and a payments company. Cliff's the epitome of underachievement. If you want a, <laughs> if you want a textbook definition of that, just... <laughs> just look at how he spells his last name. Oh. 
Um, no, but I really like building things. Um, and I very easily get excited about stuff. So well, I think you also like helping. I also really like helping. Yeah. Um, I call it like creating value. And so, you know, this tool was not something that was in the category of a product that I was building to sell. Because, you know, this is how I paid for college is building stuff. Um, but when I graduated, my thesis was, okay, what do I want to do with my life? And I was like, imagine I'm a billionaire right now. Well, what I would want to do, number one, is I want to be the person that I needed most when I was young. And when I was young, the thing I really needed was someone to read my books to me. And I was like, well, if I could solve dyslexia, that would be really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see if I can do that. And around that time, there was a subcategory of artificial intelligence called deep learning so that started getting really good. And, you know, deep learning is excellent at pattern recognition. And there were six categories of things it could do that it was getting really good at. One was optical character recognition, scanning physical text and turning it digital. One was natural language processing. Another was transcription. Another was translation. Another was um, uh, recommendation engines. And the last one was speech synthesis, doing text-to-speech but the quality of human speech, where it doesn't sound like a computer, it sounds like a human. And at the time, it took about an hour of processing to do a second worth of speech synthesis. And I was like, great. In two years, it'll be instant. So I'm going to build the infrastructure around this to make it awesome. So then once this gets good, you know, people will use it. And so, you know, that's what I went about doing. And I went and I visited a bunch of conferences and schools for kids with dyslexia and ADD. Um, and I taught them how to use Speechify. Initially, it was, a, you know, a desktop product. And then I built an iPhone app for it. Um, now it's been the number one app in its category in the App Store for about two years. It's the fourth. What, what category is it under? Uh, productivity. Um, it's the fourth app grossing in productivity. It's the number one app in, like, books and magazines. Um and um, on the App Store, on, on iOS and on Android. And then there's a very, you know, uh, fast-growing Chrome extension. To give you context, you know, last year, people were consuming about 188 million words per month with Speechify. Um, today, they'd listen to more than 3 billion words per month with Speechify. Really? So if I wanted to be the person doing all the reading, I'd have to not eat, not sleep, not go to the bathroom, and duplicate myself about a million times. Nice. Um it's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Um, and it's a big team. You know, there's about uh, 67 people who now work on Speechify full-time, mostly engineers and designers. Um, and, you know, when I went to all these schools when I was younger, you know, there'd be a keynote speaker. And I'd wait until, you know, security didn't pay attention. And I'd jump on the stage, plug in my computer, and demo Speechify. And no one would kick me out. And then when I got off the stage, about a dozen school heads would offer to fly me to their school to teach the kids how to use Speechify. So I started flying around, you know, the Northeast teaching people how to use Speechify. And every school I go to, kids would cry. Because for the first time in their life, number one, they met a, you know, a kid, semi-adult, who acted like he figured out what he wanted to do with his life and he clearly had dyslexia. And number two, they found a solution to the problem. Because mm-hmm. if you're dyslexic, typically you read at about 140 words per minute. Average Americans read at 200 words per minute. Off the bat, most Speechify users listen at 240 words per minute. A month in, they're listening at 350 words per minute. How, how do you track that? Or how do they, does the program track that for them? Um, yes, it does. So typically in, you know, in dyslexia evaluation, you'd give a kid a sheet of paper that has 100 or 200 words in it. And you time them. And you ask them to read the sheet. And they tell you when they're done. And you tell them what their reading speed is. And divide the number of words by the number of speed. With Speechify, you know, it's a very simple algorithm. You click play and you tell it what speed you want. And so by default, there's a speed slider that says, hi, this is Speechify. Pick your favorite speed. And you pick your favorite speed. Usually people pick 240 in the beginning. Um, So they listen faster than they read. And then Speechify encourages you to listen fast over time. So it pushes you to get better. Um, And so people, you know, build up to listening at 350. I listen to everything at 750 words per minute. And there's thousands of people who listen at 900 words per minute. I'm like not even close to being the fastest person on the platform. And there's a magical thing that happens when you start to listen fast. First of all, listening fast is a skill that you have to learn. So we've been listening for hundreds of thousands of years 
We've only been reading for a couple of thousand. It's a, yeah. it's a new skill. So, as mm-hmm. I say, reading is an invention that is relatively new. Right. And if you think about it, you know, the car is also a new invention. It used to be that everybody got around on horses. And suddenly the car came around. If you struggled with horses, you were allergic to horses, you were really screwed. Um, and so I think about dyslexia a little bit like horse dyslexia, where, you know, all right, you're not good at reading. Well, reading is like riding a horse. You don't need to ride a horse anymore because you can use something like Speechify and it completely solves the problem. Um, and so it's number one, important to realize that listening is a skill. When you go into first grade, no one expects you to read really fast off the bat or have high comprehension off the bat. They expect it to take 10 years of practice. With listening, it's the same thing. And so if you listen to audiobooks or podcasts, for example, um, but let's take audiobooks as an example, um, and you don't engage well with the first audiobook, don't give up on audiobooks. You got to listen to at least 10 audiobooks before you can say, I'm not a good listener. You got to practice. You got to get good at it. And as you practice, three things happen. Number one, your attention goes up. As you listen, you remember everything. Number two, um, you get more interested and you're able to multitask. You can do other things while you listen better. You can ride your bicycle. You can work out. You can cook. You can, you can drive a car. And you won't find that you lose understanding. You'll still understand while doing the other things, but it takes practice. You're not going to do it well off the bat. And number three, and most important, you get better at listening fast. And the faster you listen, the more interesting it is. So one thing that I learned when I started going to the schools is all these kids with dyslexia, I come back a month later and now they're listening, you know, instead of at 1x speed, a double or 2.5x speed. But it wasn't the only people with dyslexia. I found, and teachers especially would tell me, hey, by the way, this is transformative for kids with ADD and ADHD. Because they're not stupid. They're smart kids. It's just that their brains move really fast. And the speed of reading is not as fast as their brains, so they get bored and they act out in class. And so the great thing about Speechify is the speed of the listening is equal to the speed at which their mind is working, and that helps them. And then they don't get distracted and they stay focused and they enjoy the material they're consuming because it's not being dragged down. Like imagine if every time you watch a TV show or a YouTube video, you had to watch it at 50% speed. You'd quit. You'd never want to watch that movie. You'd jump out the window. Um, that's what the experience is like if you're ADD and you have to read something. You know, it used to be 30 years ago that 60% of kids in high school would read books for fun. Now it's less than 5%. And it makes sense. If you grew up with TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and Netflix, of course you're not going to sit and listen to a book at 200 words per minute. You need a faster bandwidth connection to the brain. And so, you know, that's you know some of the insights behind Speechify. And with the iPhone app, you can scan physical books. It'll read them to you. You can upload PDFs. It'll read them to you. Now we're working on a mobile Safari extension and has a browser inside it so you can listen to the internet. The Chrome extension, if you just search Speechify on Google, um, you know, it'll read anything to you. 30% of the usage is inside of Gmail. A lot of it is inside of Google Docs, PDFs, New York Times, Medium. What we found, is, by the way, very interesting is it started with people with dyslexia. And then it was people with ADD. And then people with low vision. And then people with concussions. And then people with autism. And then second language learners. And now about 20% of the user base are people who have some sort of learning difference or disability. And 80% are not. They're normal people. Doctors, lawyers, accountants, people in the military, executives, people in finance. And you see that there's actually a long history of inventions for people with disabilities, for example, the phone was invented for people who were hard of hearing, and it became something that all of us started to use. Um, a long history of products who are invented for people with challenges that translate to the rest of the population. The cool part is, you know, if you're dyslexic, there are a lot of strengths that come along with being dyslexic. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the more recent, you know, definitions of what causes dyslexia is apparently there's these thing called uh, mini columns in the brain 
that are in charge of sharing information. And a normal person has a normal distribution of many columns. Well, someone with dyslexia has longer many columns that are further apart. Um, someone with uh, autism, by the way, has shorter many columns that are closer together. People with dyslexia are very good at you know, the big picture, creativity, but they're very bad at minutia. And if you look at you know, who is dyslexic, George Washington was dyslexic, 30% of NASA, 30% of MIT has dyslexia. Um, and it's the type of thing, but 50% of people who are incarcerated have dyslexia and also 40% of billionaires. And it's the type of thing where 5% of kids in public school are diagnosed. About 17% of the population has it, but most people are not diagnosed because they don't have a mom like mine who has time to go spend time researching. And I discovered that I was dyslexic in third grade. It was the best day of my life because for the first time I had somewhere to hang my hat. You know, I'm not broken. I'm not stupid. I'm definitely not lazy. I just learned different. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like the most freeing thing ever. Um, and, you know, either you go down a path where as a nine-year-old, you fail at the one thing you're supposed to be doing and you decide the school is not for me and I hate the system and you check out and you go down a dark path or you build this crazy resiliency and the belief that it's okay to fail. Um, and, you know, that's how you end up with a lot of people with dyslexia, a small number of people, but who end up being very successful. And the same thing is true for people with ADD. And any type of, you know, processing speed disorder, processing speed disorder et cetera. Which you diagnose all the time. Yeah, any of the neurodevelopmental disorders, they, you know, you guys have heard me say this ad nauseum, that get a full neuropsych eval. The earlier you can get it and catch it, the more likely we will be able to circumvent a proliferation in mood instability, anxiety, depression, behavioral issues. Because as Cliff said, and I had mentioned, this has nothing to do with IQ. This has to do with being able to access it. And in you know in the United States, our school system is a how it is. It's a one size fits all model. One teacher, thirty students. Everybody's brains work differently. That does not mean you are impaired. That does not mean you are disabled. That does not mean you are broken. But if if if, if I mean, since I connected with Cliff, I in in the cases where it's relevant, which are a lot of cases with ADHD dyslexia, processing speed disorders, which neuropsychology assesses for these all the time almost, uh, I have been had the utmost confidence of putting these, this into recommendations because prior to that, there weren't a lot. And, and schools do not have a lot of resources. And this, I don't think it's because anybody's fault. I, th- I think because there's no overt manif- manifestation. Right. You know, where you take the kid who with the eight with the a, the combined type of ADHD who's bouncing off the wall and is kicking the chair of the student in front of those kids get noticed because there's a physical manifestation. With dyslexia, there is none. With with the inattentive type of ADHD, there is none. With processing speed, there is none. And you the people, all these kids and adults suffer in silence. Mm. Which I think that is what is so what the whole purpose is of our... Julie's chirping something. (laughs) (laughs) Should I come over? Oh, here she comes. Here she comes. Circling the wagon. Um, What pearl of wisdom are you going to share here? Right, right, right. Julie, come here. I think think that's... Can you you hear me? No. Okay, here, move over. Don't get up too fast. Just stay right there. Good. I think... I think that's what Cliff is talking about. He's kind of come full circle um, in terms of, you know, a kid who was blessed to have, you know, very attentive parents who were also emotionally and 
physically available to him. It, it, that's a blessing. That's just, I mean, that's a blessing. And he, and I think he's totally accurate in suffering and silence too. Mm. You know, these kids out there, that's why I think it's so important for a program like this to reach kids. And, and like Cliff said, he advocated for himself too, you know, and that's what you, if anybody was hearing this and if you suspect this as parents, that something's just not right or your kid's not doing mm. great in school, um, they're struggling. It does manifest in, in anxiety. I can't tell you how many people who come to me who, you know, telling me that they're anxious in school, adolescents, and sure enough, I send them for testing and it's ADHD, an attentive type. I mean, so, or processing speed. Or dyslexia, or, 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 dyslexia. or you have the trifecta, the trifecta, where you have what I would call like ADHD, one of the three versions, processing speed, and dyslexia. Mm. Right. That's very, especially if it's the inattentive type, because right. this just looks like an average kid who gets labeled as lazy. Mm. And it's looking out the window and not mm. paying attention, and how it's come full circle to that Speechify is helping so many people also have, you know, achieving a, a higher quality of life, like this is a lifestyle change. Like you're talking about high functioning people who don't necessarily have ADHD processing speed or dyslexia, doctors, lawyers, whatever, whoever they are, but Correct. you know, benefiting from this. I mean, like I'm, I'm so into this. I'm in, you know, I don't think I have a, well, I probably have a processing speed, but issue, but, um, Julie, I'll let me test her. No, you're not going to hear Want to see what her Rorschach profile looks like. So, Cliff, where can people go to find out more to either download Speechify, uh, find out yeah. more information about you, about the program? Yeah, so the easiest place to download Speechify is if you go to the Apple App Store, just search Speechify as the first result. Um, it's got 70,000 five-star reviews at this point. Um, by the way, one of the coolest things about Speechify is we get about 30, 40 messages a day of people who message us saying, hey, um, you know, I got promoted in my job and I couldn't keep up with the email and now I can. Oh, um, and awesome. yeah. Um, and I'll tell you another story in a second, but um, yeah, you can find it on the app store. You can download it for Android. Um, it just got, you know, an Apple award for the iPad app. And then you can download the Chrome extension, which is amazing for, you know, listening to documents and PDFs and Gmail and Google Docs. So just search Speechify on Chrome uh, on Google and it'll come up for you. Is it, is it just in, is it in a few languages, isn't it? It works in every language, yeah. Um, it'll, you know, auto-translate between language features for you as well. You can listen fast. The voices are amazing. We just had uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's voice we added to the app recently. Um, and we're adding, you know, constantly more voices and updates. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty big team who works on it constantly. And it's really fun because, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I had a recurring calendar reminder to try and convince this accessibility teams at Google and Apple and all these big companies to add this type of functionality. And understandably, they didn't because most people didn't need it. But, you know, now there's a product, that's, you know, for people who need this type of thing. Um, so that's where you can find and use Speechify. And if you want tutorials on how to use Speechify or learn more about me, uh, you can find me on YouTube. So if you search Cliff Weitzman, C-L-I-F-F-W-E-I-T-Z-M-A-N, um, I have a bunch of videos there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as well, uh, at Cliff Weitzman, or on Medium. Uh, I read a lot of articles on philosophy and productivity and you know how to build stuff and also how to deal with dyslexia. There was a point in 2018 where I wrote a book about dyslexia publicly online. I do about 500 words a day. And a lot of our early users for Speechify were people who read kind of those, those Medium series. So you can find us there. Um, but a cool tidbit is, you know, when I was graduating college, I wrote this 30-page paper about my worldviews. 
And, you know, the conclusion was I'm the person that I am because I was blessed to have, you know, unconditionally loving parents and siblings because I was lucky enough to be able to listen to a hundred books a year. And because I was lucky enough to be challenged by dyslexia when I was young and it built a lot of kind of perseverance in me. And, uh, you know, I kind of finished writing that essay. Um, and, uh, I started writing, writing thank you notes, uh, to my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Bloom, to my freshman year English teacher, Mr. Flavor, uh, to my professors, to my parents. And then I wrote one to this guy I'd never met before. And he went, hey, you don't know me. I don't know you, but uh, I just graduated college and it's because of you. And I'm the man I am today and it's because of you. And it was to Don Katz, who's the founder of Audible. And uh, a day later, I got a response. No way. And he responded with like a six paragraph email. Um, and, you know, I was, we became good friends. Um, and, and the cool part is I get that message, you know, about 30, 40 times a day now for people who use Speechify for the same reason. Um, and you know, what's really cool is today, uh, it's not only for people with dyslexia or ADD or low vision, like really we're solving literacy. Uh, but instead of doing it by building schools, we're doing it by writing software. Um, and it's a way of just, you know, leveling the playing field and democratizing access to education. Um, and that's like a really fun thing. Um, but you know, the even cooler part is the fact that it's exactly as you were saying earlier, um, dyslexia is an invisible disability. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you're not in a wheelchair, like you're not, you know, acting in an odd way. Um, and you, you talked in the beginning about shame. The problem is you also don't know that you have it. Like, it sounds like such a cop-out to say, oh, I have a mental condition that makes it difficult for me to read. What are you talking about? You're just stupid. Accept it. Like, right? Like, it, it, no one would even come up with the idea that dyslexia exists as a concept, right? It, it just happens to be that my brain works differently than most other people's brains do. And it's a spectrum, by the way, of dyslexia. Other things that characterize dyslexia are, you know, you confuse your rights and lefts. It's very difficult to remember other people's names. Um, you know, people often have trouble with word problems and math. Um, and But mainly characterized by, you know, difficulty in reading and in spelling. And if you can recognize it and own it, and talk to your teachers about it and your parents about it um, and use a tool like Speechify, it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, we were talking earlier about how, uh, you know, it's interesting that there's no medication for dyslexia. You know, at least for ADD, you have Adderall. Um, but there's, no, there's nothing you can take to, you know, remove dyslexia for a couple of hours, um, which is both very annoying. Uh, but also, you know, imagine if you needed to take medication in order to fix your eyesight. Or you could just wear glasses and have contact lenses. And we all know that, you know, medications come with a lot of side effects. Um, and so it's interesting that with using something like Speechify, it's like glasses or like a calculator for math. Um, but there's no side effects. It just solves the problem, like, from the outside. Um, Back to what you're saying, Cliff. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with this. And I think we try to convey this every podcast. No shame. You learn differently. Dyslexia is something that you have, it's not something that you are. So as opposed to calling yourself dyslexic, call yourself, say, as opposed to, I'm John the dyslexic, I'm John and I have dyslexia. That's right. Real, really important from a psychological perspective in terms of how you frame it. Don't embody it. So one question for you, which is, you know, if I'm a parent and I have a child who I suspect might have dyslexia, or I'm an adult, I'm 25 years old and I suspect I might have dyslexia, how should I go about getting diagnosed? Full neuropsychy Val. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's really the, really the vehicle. I mean, 
you can come see me, like a lot of you guys are coming from different parts of the country, but the only way to really know what it is, and not just what it is, whether it's ADHD, processing speed, dyslexia, a psychiatric condition, not just what it is, how severe it is. Mm. And how does it manifest, like Cliff said, it manifests differently different people. All of the disorders manifest differently, but the testing is able to delineate exactly how it manifests. And then... I'm sure there's there, there then you can then work on developing a treatment plan that's commensurate with how that diagnostic picture even even if it's something like in Julie's realm of medication you know it's really a multidisciplinary approach and I think hopefully we can get more I've been sharing this with all of my colleagues I've been getting a lot of people and Cliff educated me really on the new idiosyncrasies of Speechify a while ago but this is uh, an amazing program for a disorder that goes undiagnosed unrecognized and can really impact the quality of life for somebody because not every family has parents who are going to read to them not everybody's going to have that support it's a, you know, I think it's a huge blessing um, they were able to do that I think it's really nice to be able to talk to somebody not only from the perspective of having something but who did something about it it didn't take a right. victim role exactly. and and is not in denial, but but did something with us, and this this is kind of a like, triumph. It kind of go back to like one of the episodes I did about you know resiliency and the power mm. of the human experience. You know, you could be victors, you, you could be mm. victims or victors. I'll, I'll end with one note, which is you know people often talk about IQ, intelligent quotient. Sometimes people talk about EQ, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. But there's another one people often don't talk about, which is the most important one, which is AQ, adversity quotient. Adversity quotient is how good are you when things get really tough? Like, how much does it take to get you to give up? And, you know, that's the thing that I think, you know, for whatever reason, I'm really good at, partly as a result of growing up with dyslexia. But if you're listening to this podcast and you are challenged by anything, it doesn't matter if it's dyslexia or depression or anxiety, um, think about AQ as a skill that you can develop um, and invest in that skill. And every time you see yourself facing a challenge, think, ah, this is an opportunity. Like, you know, I'm lifting weights. I'm lifting weights to develop my AQ. And over time, you'll get really good at dealing with adversity. It's a, it's a learned skill. I like that. That's, that's, that's really good. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the program. Um, hopefully we'll be able to have Cliff on at different points in the future. Uh, I think this is a really nice relationship that I've been able to cultivate with him and Julie as well. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out to me at psychologyunpluggedoutlook.com. Uh, my phone number is 617-750-9411. Text me, call me. You guys seem so surprised that I return your calls or schedule you for an eval or just you got questions. Uh, a truly humbling experience. Until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and be well. Bye, guys.